out today to Four Corners. It's a great day to be here because we have, like we have the last couple weeks, very special guest on stage with us. But I want to get you caught up on what it is that we've been doing in case maybe this is your first time with us for this message series. We are doing this message series called Marriage Audibles. And what we're doing simply is taking truths from God's Word and from wisdom in life and asking how can we improve the relationships in our lives. So this really, even though we're calling it a marriage audibles message series, it's really not just for married people. It really is for anyone in any kind of relationship whatsoever. I think from um, the things we talk about, mostly we're going to talk about as they apply to marriage, but even if you're dating or maybe one day you hope to be dating or hope to be married, you're going to have some things that maybe you can build your arsenal around that will help you out as you just kind of go down life's road. So an audible, if you don't know what that is because you don't like the best sport ever played in the history of the world, uh, American football, an audible simply is, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change in the play that you're calling. So the way it works in football is this, at least on offense, you might have a play that came in from the coach to the quarterback that you're planning on using against the defense, but then when you get out there and line up, you notice the defense is arranged in a certain way, and so often what will happen is the quarterback will change the play based on the defense that he sees against them, hoping that the play will make forward progress. Basically, it's a game change. It's a, it's a change in the plan. As it relates to marriages, that's simply all we're doing over the, the last couple weeks and what we're going to do over the next couple weeks as well. Talk about maybe some new plays that you can add to your marriage or relationship uh, arsenal as you try to just get the most out of the relationships that you're in. So two weeks ago, we had a great couple, Chris and Sarah Cadwallader, and they shared with us their testimony, which was amazing. If you miss it, you can jump online at fourcornerschurch.com and watch it. But the takeaway from them was simply that sometimes we need outside help. And they told the story of how they got that in the life of their marriage. And then last week, we had a special couple, Dick and Carol Legro. They've been married 120 years, which was amazing. <laughs> no, but they, they've been married for a while. And they were able to share with us just some wisdom around uh, what that looks like to have been married, I think, 45 years is how long they have been married. And this week we have a special guest, a friend of Ben and mine, and his name is Dr. Bill Balzano. Bill has an earned Ph.D. in psychology, but probably more importantly than that in some of the clinical work he's done, he has been a pastor. He's served on staffs of churches and also in other uh, parachurch ministries, and uh, we're very delighted to have him here with us to share some wisdom from a professional side of things around what we can do to begin to improve our marriages around here. Bill, welcome. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, just two quick points. Uh, Wanda Lee and I are the archaic, too. We, we celebrated our 50th anniversary Ooh. in November. Wow. She's over here somewhere in the dark. Wow. <clears throat> And she's only 52. And she's so only 52. <laughs> I think that's a crime. <laughs> and then, speaking of the metaphor of football, I am an alum of the university, the University of Alabama. Nice. Just want you to know that. <laughs> National champ. The SEC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Bill, I'm so glad you're on this stage. I've known you in a variety of settings. You were a, a teacher of mine in college. You were my boss at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, uh, but you've been a friend of mine and you've built into my life. In fact, when Jill and I thought about getting married, the person we went to chat with was you. And we were uh, young and, and, and maybe foolish uh, college kids, but you basically, I remember the advice you gave us in our first conversation. You said, if you guys are very serious and if you'll work at it, you can make 
your marriage, your love last a lifetime. If you don't, then you'll be a statistic. And so today we're talking about one of the most exciting things about marriage, but it gets overlooked. We're talking about developing friendship within the marriage. So again, a lot of these principles, if you're not married, they're just about how to develop and grow in relationships that are important to you. Parents to their kids, kids, you know, siblings among each other. But I think that often one of the biggest challenges I see, this as an unclinical, uh, you know, uh, evaluation, I see this growing apart thing that happens in marriages. And rather than what started off as friendship, a lot of time and energy put into getting together and what are we going to do, and there's a lot of laughter, over the years it seems like that dissipates. Is, is this what you've seen as well in, in your practice and over the years as you've helped people? Uh, it really is. Uh, I think Greg hit a key point. The basic principles of keeping a marriage intact would apply to any relationship, except it's to the power of 10. Uh, I have this little theory that there are four qualities in a successful marriage, if I can take a moment yeah, to go through do. that. Uh, one of those qualities is the well-worn statement of communication, whether through grunts, through notes, through text, face-to-face conversation, through touch. Com- communication in a marriage is the foundation piece. The next two key ingredients, you hit one, friendship. There must be friendship, in my estimation. The second one, equally important, is respect. And then if there's good communication, if there's friendship, if there's respect, there is this thing called love that develops out of that. So often we start out wanting to be deeply in love, and it fades fairly quickly. So friendship to me is cornerstone as is respect. I think they're mutually involved. I don't think you can have friendship without respect. I don't think you can have respect without friendship. I see friendship go first in most marriages. Bill, that lines up exactly with what the Bible says. Um, You know, we're not just here trying to give people good advice. We believe that since marriage was God's idea, he designed it, that really we should look to him and what he's revealed in order to tell us how to experience what he wanted for us to experience in marriage. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in Genesis chapter 2, we get the first picture of what God had in mind with marriage. And it gets right to the heart of what Dr. Balzano said. It gets right to the heart of that friendship thing. So here's what the Bible says. It's not good for a man to be alone. Now, it could have been worded the other way. In this case, the man was created first. Uh, If a woman was, obviously, it would be different. But uh, it's true that God says it's, in general, not good for us to be alone. We're made to live in creation. So think about this for a second. You have God above the man he created. You have the creation beneath the man that was created. But there was no partner or friend to stand beside him. So friendship, the very first one in the world, was between a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. And so it goes to the bedrock of what it's all about. And then the the other passage I want to take you to as our guiding principle today before we get into some practical how-tos is in the Song of Solomon. Now, this book in the Bible is just full of incredible practical advice written poetically. In fact, they used to say that you had to be at least 30 years old and a man in order to read this book because it contains some pretty intimate details about what can happen in marriage, what should be happening in marriage. But in chapter 5, there is this incredible passage where the woman in the story describes the uh, the body of her husband, of her lover. And she comes down to the very end after this very sensuous passage, and she identifies again what I think is the core of what makes intimacy and closeness and friendship happen. She says in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16, this is my lover, that's all that sensuous stuff, and this is my friend. 
that you can't separate that, can you? It goes to that respect. The closeness doesn't happen unless you have friendship. Now, a much later poet in 1987 by the name of Boy George, uh, he said, every day is like survival. You're my lover, not my rival. All right? That was in a song, Karma Chameleon, 1987. I was in high school. I'll never forget it. But it's the same principle. This is what love songs are all made about. When Abby was singing, come to me, that really is the refrain of the Song of Solomon. Let's get together. And this is more than just sex, obviously. In fact, long before that, there's the idea that the, the relationship is developed. All right? What makes it hard? What makes it hard to have that ongoing friendship for 50 years? Well, uh, I am really pleased to hear the gospel according to Bill George. Uh, <laughs> I mean, boy, George is one. Bill George would yeah, not appreciate that. That's a mutual that. friend of ours from the past, yeah. <laughs> Bill George is in the South somewhere turning over right now. <laughs> uh, I think ultimately uh, we become preoccupied with self, and there's a competing friendship And remember, there's no simple answer to any of this. So if I love, love is a behavior at best or a collection of behaviors that puts the well-being or welfare of another person before my own. And if I respect, which means I'm going to give deferential treatment to this other person, we can talk more about that later, and if I am a friend then ultimately what I must choose is which friend is more important, friendship with self, which we can call narcissism, or friendship with this other person that I'm living with all these years. Well, you can see the confluence of these characteristics. If I respect my wife and her wishes, I get to know those wishes. And in getting to know her wishes, I get to know what's fun, what she enjoys, what she delights in. And if I'm a true friend, I want to share that with her. So uh, the way I, I, I do this sounds very trivial, but it's very difficult. I start focusing upon her needs and what I can do to please her rather than myself. First few years of our marriage, I bought a lot of fishing rods and guns. You know, that's what guys did at that time. <laughs> I found out she didn't like to fishing rods very much and was afraid of guns. So somewhere after 20 years of marriage, I started understanding that maybe the things that I like, she did not enjoy as much. 20 years. Yeah. So getting into her world. Yeah. Good luck. Swift learner. (laughs) I'm a little dull. Remember, I went to the University of Alabama. I was going to say that. Thank you for saying it to me. So so there is, you go through this, this whole uh, schematic of a marriage. The first few years, it's la-la and uh, uh, the old put a bean in the jar every time you go in the bedroom and take one out. The last 10 years, every time you go in the bedroom and you got a jar left with a bunch of, of beans, beans in yeah, it. Right. So, so what happens after the bean jar experience, you start settling into, is this person important to me? Am I willing to put away my childish ways and to start understanding that between the two of us, there's a third entity called a relationship. And it's this relationship that now I must nurture. And I choose to do that. There's nothing mythical about it. The Bible instructs us on how to do that through preference. It does. I hope I didn't beg that. No, no, that's, that's awesome. good. I've, Bill, I've been, um, this week on Valentine's Day, it's been 21 years since I asked my wife to marry me. We've been wow. married now 20 years, which is amazing again because she's 23. Um, <laughs> But um, just a question for you, outside of your clinical expertise, just you've been married 50 years, longer than a lot of us sitting in this room. 
Just what are some things that you've done in years 21 through 50, maybe, since it took you 20 to learn? Um, just on a practical uh, level, so what are some things that you guys do to make sure your friendship stays warm and, and you're still friendly to each other? Is there something you try to do on a regular routine? Or are there some habits that you guys implement in your marriage? Any, anything you can give us that maybe we can jot down notes on and maybe, maybe try out for ourselves? Yes, and uh, again, uh, you know, football, a very complex game, uh, revolves around blocking and tackling. Yeah. Blocking and tackling. Uh, one of the things that I think is important in every marriage is to start the day with conversation. I think it's important, and I know because of busy schedules it's sometimes difficult, but we begin the day together, and almost always we have breakfast together, whether it's early or later. There is a time to talk. When I am communicating with my wife, she with me, and we're looking at each other, I really believe that it's important to focus on each other when you're talking. I don't mean you sit there. Uh, SpongeBob's one of my heroes, by the way. <laughs> and uh, SpongeBob frequently will have a dummy of himself that people talk to if you're an aficionado of SpongeBob. I don't mean you're sitting there with that glazed look in your eyes like you are listening. If it's five minutes, what makes friendship happen is sharing ideas and thoughts. I think you start the day with that. I'm going to go to the other end of the day. I think you end the day with communication, with dialogue. Nothing makes a person feel more important than for you or she to listen to one another's ideas. What are you saying? I'm listening. Don't have to agree with it. I'm a bluegrass music fan. She's a fan of other types of music. But we can talk about it. We can get along. So what we talk about, we may not agree on. But I'm giving you essence when I'm talking to you, Ben. Yeah. If I'm sitting here looking at you, you're important to me. So it starts with the way we communicate with each other. Now, some of the best times for us, and this may be more a function of age, is the time when we can have a fire in the fireplace and just relax together. Hectic days demand quiet times. Mm. So we take that time together. And then we get hey, That's in. good. I, Go ahead. Hectic days demand quiet times. Quiet times. So we have four kids. Jill had a, had a job when we started having our, you know, our brood. I, I had a job. We, our days were hectic, but it, finding that time... Um, it didn't happen spontaneously. Mm. And so we would go weeks, days, probably honestly months but without really, really connecting much. How do you, I, I'm, I'm thinking we've we got a bunch of people in various stages of their relationships, but it's not going to happen automatically. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, that sounds great. But that, it isn't something that just materializes out of thin air. It is not. But when you think of everything else we do that we plan, yeah. We plan. Whether it's work-related or home-related, it's inconceivable to me that if a couple wanted to take five minutes, ten minutes, shut that door, nail it closed, let them beat on it for five minutes, but you are with your spouse for five minutes. Remember the relationship is husband and wife first, mm -hmm. then children. Yeah. 
And one of the great trends in culture that I've seen that I think is harmful to many marriages, it is the invasion of the child into the relationship of the husband and wife. Now, you can preach right there if you want. We, we saw this in our school setting. When I taught high school, right. you saw basically that friendship get displaced from the spouse, and it became really the child. The parent wanted that sense of closeness, and it really is unhealthy, not only for the marriage, isn't it also unhealthy, and you would know more than me, for the child for that to happen? It is. It's called enmeshment. And what happens if there's pathology in a relationship, we're not going to go down that road, but if there's pathology in a relationship, one parent will triangle another child or a child in as a way of having needs met. Frequently, the child comes to the bed, not for sinister reasons but because of love, affection, and sometimes, as we were for years, they'll come in at 3 o'clock in the morning and get in bed regardless of what you do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the relationship is sacred. The child is not more important than the relationship. Remember, the child's important. I want, I want to make sure. sure you understand what I'm saying. But the husband-wife, as strong as that relationship is, will then reflect the strength of the parent's relationship with the child. I think that in marriage, it's the little things. First of all, I'll tell you guys something. I was gamed for years by my wife about washing clothes. I thought it was the hardest task in the world. I love to wash clothes, so I'll wash my own clothes. I've got plenty. Uh, okay, like bring it? them over. I can make a little extra. <laughs> but I can wash clothes and do a bunch of other things. Now, that doesn't sound like a friendship behavior. It's not like taking a walk in the park or going out for dinner love those things. I started helping with clothes. I cooked most of our meals. It started because I hated to wait. Uh, so rather than wait, I got in there and stuck an apron on and I got busy and men generally cook faster than and, women. And you're Italian. So. And I'm Italian. <laughs> so she blossoms when I find ways to help around the house. And it occurred to me She's working all of these hours around the house, taking care of those four kids, taking care of children, and she was doing this, doing that, and it was no big deal for me to do that. Once I, once I realized that it was not a measure of testosterone to wash dishes or to uh, cook, life got a lot better for both of us. It, it was no big deal once you turned an emotional and a mental corner, right? Terrific statement. Once I made a decision that masculinity nor importance of who I am was not measured by chores in the house. Well, in some ways it might be, but it was a way of showing my wife that I understood the load she carried and the burden that she was bearing. It suddenly made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, just piggybacking on top of that, Amy and I went through the same thing. I, I abhor anything related with cleaning or housework or dishes or laundry. Um, and I, I mentally understood that it would be a benefit to her and lessen her stress and take a load off. And she honestly worked much harder than me because she also worked a full-time job. Um, but I think for me, I had to just realize I was being selfish. Going back to what you said at the beginning, I wanted my time when I came home from work to do my decompression, to get my thoughts straight, to, you know, to protect myself. And I had gotten to a habit of that the first few years of marriage, more protecting myself than protecting the one I said was my best friend and my lover and my wife. So I had to not only get it mentally, I had to just 
stop being so selfish. And what, what's fascinating, um, many of you know Greg is my brother, maybe, maybe all, and he's a little bit younger than me. So I had the real privilege of watching him from almost a detached perspective go through the whole dating thing that I had just gone through a few years earlier, finding a spouse. And, and I watched Greg put all the, and I want you to listen, it's not about Greg, for it's, it's about most of us, put all this time and attention into dating and the planning and the strategizing and the organizing that goes into finding that time. How do I, in your case, do school, do work, and find time for this person? It's like you, even in your busiest days in the middle of finals, you found time. So it isn't a timing issue, is it? It is not a time. It's a values issue. Those are wonderful. This church is so blessed to have these two guys. I generally don't tell them that kind of stuff. (laughs) The the wisdom that, and, and the experience. It is a value statement. Mm -hmm. Most human behavior, problematic or wonderfully successful, is a value statement. What is more important to me? If I respect the fact that my wife is coming in with bags of groceries, if I respect her, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something to help. Uh, If I understand that when we're having company, she feels a lot of pressure and may feel like she's on display, I'm going to do something to help her. It is values. And as much as I would like to say, folks, it's bells and whistles to bring friendship into a marriage, friendship will start out of respect. And I communicate respect not by saying, I love you, I'm there, but by washing the dishes or taking out the trash or whatever it may be, taking you out to dinner. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to pull these kind of more esoteric concepts of what does friendship look like? How do we know if we have love? And make them practical like we're doing. One of the tragedies I observe, and, and I, I've gone through this a bit. You know, Jill and I have not had a perfect marriage. Uh, I don't know that there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. But we had to drill down on, on occasion, I would feel lonely mm-hmm. in my marriage. And when I sat with our counselor, when we worked through our stuff, really what was happening was as I was experiencing the fruit of me not extending a friendly disposition I was experiencing the biblical fruit of you reap what you sow. If I don't sow into this thing, if I don't, as Proverbs 18.24, this is the marriage verse for the day, Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends, or in this case, a friend, must show himself to be friendly. If I don't do the pre-work and value her and respect her and make time for her, it's normal for me to feel lonely weeks, days, months later. It's going to happen. And it's not really a function of some fault in her or some broken dynamic in our relationship. It is the fruit of the dynamic of our relationship. It is the natural consequence. Yeah, and we we talk a lot about that as it relates to love. You know, love is an emotion, but it's also... The actions of love, right? And that, that a lot of times, the actions of love often precede the emotion of love. I think the exact same thing is true in friendship. It is, it is. You, there's an emotion associated with friendship that often you have at the beginning of a marriage. Um, and when there's not nearly as many distractions, like both people working or a lot of kids in the house, or a lot of times really the first kid in the house, which really... Right. You have to do, because we have a lot of families, we see that one here a lot. Right. The, the, kind of the first baby syndrome and the disconnect and the right. marriage problems associated. And, and the natural emotional connection of that mom to that baby. And dad, right. I, I, you know, dad feels like an orphan <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, right? he does. And, and uh, I call it breathing in a relationship, much like the diaphragm lifts the chest and the chest goes in and out. A relationship, a normal, healthy relationship does that. Yeah. The advent of that first child. The key there is 
good friends ought to be able to talk with one another. So the dad who's filling that, who understands that his wife is going through this normal uh, focus and attachment to this child, and it could be five children, the same attachment, if he understands that and is able to put her need before his need, but at the appropriate time say, I know you're focused. Exactly. (laughs) Whoseville. I'm still here. Yell from Whoseville and let him know that you're there, but not in a a way that is condemning, Mm -hmm. but a way that understands and applauds the mother's devotion to the child. But why don't we now create a date night and let me get a fix? I need a fix on you. Mm -hmm. I need a fix. And, and work those details out. That's good. Yeah. But what would you say to someone who um, might be in a situation now where they're not feeling like they're friends with their spouse? Good. And they're not feeling in love with their spouse. Um, and things aren't well, and yet they have this thing called a marriage, mm-hmm. a relationship that they've committed to. Um, what, do you, what, what do you suggest they do? We've talked a little bit about some things that have happened. But what's like a next step that someone in that kind of situation could begin to take? Terrific question. Uh, When my car needs an oil change, I schedule it with someone who knows how to change the oil in the car. Sometimes when a couple gets to that point, discussing it can be a bit inflammatory. Mm -hmm. One may not know. There may be some hostility. There may be some anger. I recommend they talk with somebody. I have my biases as to whom they should talk with. But I think it's always appropriate to go to someone who specializes. And there are ways to do that without spending a lot of money. I'm very conscious of the fact that it may involve money. But I would begin with a source of, I'd probably make a connection with someone around the church to say, who would you recommend? How do we go about that? The reason I like to do that is sometimes when there's pain in a relationship, the discussion can spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that discussion take place in front of somebody for a time or two, and then all of the work is done out of there. Right. But don't let it rock on. Yeah. The further it goes without dealing with it, it'll either go underground or it will play itself out in destructive ways in the marriage, and that's the last thing you want to deal with. So a problem that's that big, we're feeling alienated. I don't know if I love her anymore. Well, I stop and I say, I made a choice back to values. My value is marriage is important. God's word says it's important. I'm going to do everything I can to save this marriage. And oh, yes, I might need somebody out there to help me. They don't know more than you do about life. They're they're not geniuses. They're just trained a little bit more to help a couple focus on their relationship. You know, we, we value marriages around here. I mean, we do. It's a big deal to us to have healthy families so that marriages are strong, kids grow up in good households. And um, what you may not know, I'm sure many of you do, but a lot of insurance plans supplement a lot of they that. Do. Some of them pay for all of it. And I think a lot of people are just simply unaware of the fact that the insurance you have may cover some of this. Uh, but also we help with that some for we people do. who are in high need in a situation where they really need help. We help provide 
some resources for that with some connections we have in the community as well. Yeah. Um, what, what we typically do is if somebody calls in and says, I need help, we don't do counseling on our staff more than just one conversation. We do kind of a quick gut check. Is this a conversation or two away, or should there be somebody with real skill leaning in? So we'll help you connect. And if you don't have insurance, we'll pay for some of those. Now, when I say we, it's not like there's a, a slush fund. People in this congregation are faithful to give. They believe in the vision of this place, and they give. And out of that, we've allocated a certain amount of money to allow for people to get the help they need. It's a big, big deal. So if you need help, there are resources. You can email us. Connect card is the single best way. Contact me. I want to talk about, and somebody from our team will do that. I want to turn, kind of a hard turn right here, and I want to talk about the, the dark side uh, for just a moment. Because if friendship is the key, one of the, your triangles, one of the keys to a vibrant, healthy, lasting marriage, um, one of the most troubling things we've seen is when that friendship isn't protected. You know, you've got the two. Right. And then you end up with a third wheel. Um, I, I, I've always heard that it's really unhealthy, and I think our culture struggles with this from time to time. It's really unhealthy to have a same-sex, or a, an opposite-sex friend um, when you're married that you're pouring more information into, more connection, getting more emotional needs met. Um, let's talk a little bit about the boundary because this thing is precious. All precious things need protected. Um, is it dangerous? Where are the danger signs? What are some things we can do to not only advance it, but to protect it? Well, I've done a reversal on this over the years. Uh, I believe a close friendship with a member of the opposite sex. If I'm a husband, a close friendship with a female who is not my spouse sets the stage for potential harm. It doesn't at all reflect on intention or anyone willfully sinning. But what does happen, as a rule, that close friendship with a member of the opposite sex I have come to learn over many years reflects something that is missing in the relationship between the husband and wife. Uh, I've seen so many homes broken because of that friendship. Starts at the office or it's a neighbor. Where, where you have a lot of time. Where right. you have a lot of time and you over a period of months. Now, if a person's wanting to sin, there's always somebody. But over a period of months, one becomes more comfortable talking with the person who is not one's spouse. You gradually start sharing things about yourself, your home, and if there's a need, and there will, if, if it continues, one of the two has a terrific need, then we've got serious problems. I also want to warn you, in one week I had two folks come into my office whose homes were being broken up over Facebook relationships from friends in the past, yeah. and those started developing. And you know, There's uh -huh. some dramatic research. It's early still, but 50% of divorces have some connection through electronic media these days. Yes. So, so reconnecting with old flames, re trying to rekindle something. Right. Um, this boundary issue is huge because huge. one of the ways I respect my wife, I think, because I say to her in my actions, in my words, in my behavior, this thing is so important to me, you're so important to me, that I'm not waiting to get as close as I can and then ask you to trust me. Long before I fall off the cliff, I'm going to back off, erect a fence right there so I don't get to that point. And, and this is the thing that I think is not necessarily intuitive. Yeah, and, you know, electronic media just makes it, 
in my opinion, simpler to be more intimate than maybe you could have been before it. And so, you know, text messaging, video messaging, pictures, all things that you used to have to be together to share. And with a certain amount of significant intentionality. Now it's a click. Yeah, and now it's just a click away, uh, you know, when you're hiding out in a room by yourself uh, in your own house. After you've had a fight with your spouse. Sure. (laughs) That that point is so strong because in, in a sense it allows you to be more revealing in a safer way than we would have in previous times, right? Yes. So to to Ben's, to to that original question, uh, I I, uh, now watch business meetings. If I have a a luncheon, I work with an administrative team of of 11 people. Almost all of them are women, uh, keeping the door open. Uh, All of those safeguards because they're wonderful leaders. There's things about them that I admire and respect and it's easy to talk about, but intentionally I must be aware that my best friend in this whole world, in good times and bad times, flawed or not, is a person I chose to be my bride 175 years ago. (laughs) And, And so I'm going to choose. Remember, you're not always strong. There are times you're vulnerable. You're highly vulnerable. There's people you are not married to that you will immediately like. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And physically be attracted and to. physically be attracted to. Your, your eyes do not die in your head when you get married. Right. So what happens is I make value statements and conscious decisions that I must set boundaries on this. And I, I urge you folks, if you start feeling an attraction, override it. You better override it. Yeah, because yeah. it isn't going to go anywhere well. When you cultivate the friendship, feelings of love, sexual attraction, they all get stoked. They all get stoked. And yeah. uh, it, it's a dangerous thing. Yeah, and my experience with that, and not on a personal level, but just having seen what I've seen being married this long, is a lot of times the exact same amount of energy and intentionality and effort that's put into those outside relationships, if 25, 50% of that were just turned towards the spouse... Yeah probably would make all the difference yeah. in the world. It's time for one of those baptism woohoo applauses. That is exactly right. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is. If I took those qualities and invested in yeah. my own marriage, it would be amazing what yeah. would happen. Right. Uh, don't forget, we're being bombed through TV, through the various medias now, with all sorts of visual stimuli, all sorts of enticing things. Stimuli. Every song. That's, that's a good word. Alabama. Does that not fit church? <laughs> no, that's good. I like that. I just don't know. I've heard it in plural. In, in, the, in the grand halls of Four Corners, we use words such as that. Uh, you are being bombed with that kind of information which entices you. Yeah. And you got to look good, stay young, and uh, hope that your wife, if she defined you, would not define you as a balloon in mm-hmm. some ways, et cetera. We were talking earlier about how what shape would you be. Right. Uh, and folks, one last thing. I don't know how often we talk about the devil anymore. One last thing for me. They have much more. <laughs> there is an evil force in this world, yeah. call him what you will. Satan, the devil, evil. His entire intent is to destroy your relationship with Christ. Yes. And he will go to all ends to destroy your relationship with your family and your spouse. And remember, your relationship with your spouse is God-ordained. Yeah. Treat it sacredly. That's yeah. good. So I'm going to leave you with a verse, Proverbs 5, 8. And just to kind of let you know, this is God's word. That wisdom voice is speaking to the young man, the dad to his son, saying, look, you're going to be enticed. So 
Don't get up close to it. In fact, here's what it says. Keep a path far from her, that enticement, that point of danger. Get as far away from possible. And here's how. Don't even go near. Do not go near the door of that house. This is the principle. Long before you get there, put the boundaries in place. Have this discussion with your wife. Let me give you one question before we go to the next bold steps. Here's a bold question you could ask today in your five-minute discussion. How good a friend have I been to you? How good a friend have I been to you? And this is where you sprinkle the salt on we talked about last week. You stop, you ask the question, how good a friend, you listen, and then you talk. You stop, ask the question, listen to the response before you talk. That's sprinkling salt. It's flavoring your relationship. It's a great question you can do tonight, tomorrow, before next week. Yeah. Let's take some next steps. Let's take some steps. Guys, we'd just like to say thank you to Dr. Bill Balzano and Greg for helping us today. So around here, we believe that the relationship with Jesus is the most important one. And I'd like to give you a chance right now to start that relationship with Jesus. On your Connect card that you filled out earlier, the front of it, if you pull that back out, next step A is the one in which every week I ask you if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's basically accepting him as your Lord and Savior, that is your leader and the forgiver of the mistakes, the sins of your life. The Bible says we do that by putting our trust in him. And I'd like to give you a chance to do that. Around here, the way we do it is you check the box, and then we send you some information about that. And then I end this period in just a few moments, I will, and I'll pray and give you a chance to simply say to God in your own words, or you can borrow mine, I believe that you're the Lord of the universe, but I'd like you to be the Lord of my life. I'd like you to lead my life. And we believe that if you do that, you begin a relationship with God whose idea was marriage, who promises to come alongside you and help you. And the next step B, if you want to get baptized, you're going to see one here in just a moment. Um, We have a few more later. If you want to get baptized, we'd like you to check the box and our team will communicate with you on how to do that. And the next step C, today is the last Sunday to sign up on your Connect card for a small group. You have the catalog there. Some of you, and we still have a little bit of room, need to sign up for a marriage group and make the time to connect with your spouse around the ideas that God had in mind when he thought about marriage to begin with. And then next step, D to us. I wonder if there's anybody that would say, Ben, I need to place some wiser boundaries to better protect the intimacy or the friendship in my marriage. I need to place some better boundaries. Why don't you just be honest and let our staff join with you in prayer about this. And how about next step, B? I am ready to listen and I'm going to ask my spouse how good a friend have I been? Why don't you check that just as an act of commitment if you felt like that would be a good question and then we'll pray about it and then this week you'll follow up on it. Let's pray about those things right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a God who loves. God, I want to thank you that marriage was your idea to begin with. So God, I want to pray right now for the marriages in this church that we would grow in friendship, we would grow in respect, that like we used to do, we'd find time to cultivate the relationship. Now, God, the truth is, some of us need to have better boundaries. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to illuminate the areas of our life where we need to erect a fence and be extra careful. God, some of us need to have an honest conversation and be willing to hear what kind of friend we have been God, there are other folks in this room that are making a decision to make you the leader of their life. They're saying, I'm a sinner, God, forgive me. 
I want you to lead my life. God, we pray about these things. Commit them all to you. We pray in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen.